Last week we started on a journey where we said we want to step back so that we can go forward. And we introduced um, just a simple series called Live the Way, where we said we want to consider what it means to be with Jesus. And out of considering what it means to be with Jesus, we want to consider what it means to become like Jesus. And out of considering what it means to become like Jesus, we want to eventually say, well, we want to do what Jesus says we ought to do. And so we want to just use an extensive period of time to go through that, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus wants us to do. And so we want to invite you into that. And this morning, I simply just want to talk about the invitation to that. And so hence the title of the message is simply just the invitation. And I want to take you back to um, some of the most amazing relationships that you can actually find in Scripture. And that part of that, re that relationship being formed is because there was an invitation made, an offer by someone. It's this incredible relationship, and it's the one between, in the Hebrew culture, in the Jewish religion, the relationship between the teacher and the follower. And if you use the, the, the correct Hebrew words, you would talk about the relationship between the rabbi and the Talmudin. Talmudin is his followers. And in our language today, we would use that as a word to determine what it means to be a disciple. In other words, the relationship between the teacher and his followers. Between the rabbi and his Talmudin. Hebrew word for follower. There was a very special education system as we just kind of introduced this whole thing of an invitation to you. Used in Galilee at the time of Jesus when he was around on earth. I don't have the time to, as I just read up on this, to, to kind of expose you to the full extent of what it looked like. How a Hebrew boy was from very young age exposed to the Torah, or as we know the first five books of the Bible. That eventually by a very young age they could memorize and, and, and they could actually say all of the the Torah out from, I'm just rehearsing or I'm, I'm, I'm from memory. And then out of that, they would go into the next education level. And eventually, there came a point in, in the Hebrew young person's life where he was offered, not all of them were, but those that really stood out were offered an opportunity to walk with a rabbi. And they told me then, would follow his teacher with one thing in mind. To become like the teacher. That was his main objective. I've been invited into this. To become like the teacher or the rabbi that I've been offered an opportunity to walk with. That meant that students or Talmudim were passionately devoted to their rabbi and noted everything he did or said. They were so close to him. The rabbi-Talmudim relationship was a very intense and personal system of education because as the rabbi lived and taught his understanding of Scripture, his students listened and watched and imitated everything as to become like him. Objective was as I'm with him, it's not just to be with him, it's to become like him. It is in this context 
that we have this incredible analogy of dusty feet. Just a picture of dusty feet. And if you have a little bit of an understanding of, of the time of Jesus, you know that the men wore sandals, and I'm sure the ladies did too, and it wasn't necessarily these closed-up boots that we go around with, um, but they walked around with sandals. And so as you walk around on non-tarred roads, you know that there were no tarred roads back then. There were stone roads that the Romans had built, and that's great, but there was a lot of dust around. And we find that this picture gives us an idea that, that they said, as the Talmudim or the followers were so close with their rabbi or teacher that the, dusty, the dust on the feet of the, 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 the teacher became dust on the feet of their followers. And so they had this whole idea of that, that dusty feet of followers meant that they were very close to their rabbi. So intently walking with him that as his feet were covered with dust, so our feet, their feet became. Hence what Jesus would say, if you go into a place and they don't receive you, just dust the, the, the shake the dust of your feet and walk on. Because that was the normal practice. Their feet would get dusty, and some of you have dusty feet this morning. And it's because it's been very dry in Bulawayo. But this invitation to follow Jesus is the same. We are invited to be so close to him that we walk in his dust, as the Talmudim did to their rabbi. And, though, and through this, our feet become dusty too. And so the, the analogy that I'm trying to, to create this morning is we want to have rather... Dusty feet and dusty Bibles. You know what a dusty Bible means? I had one of those for a very long time in my life. Where um, my parents bought me a Bible when I was young. I don't know, probably about age of 12 or so, which is about 20 years ago. Um, I, yeah, some of you are awake. Eh? There's just always little lines that we throw in just to wake you. Well done, Christine. That was good. <laughs> Um, anyway, if you didn't catch that, that, that joke, please just tell your neighbor. I don't know what he was talking about, and therefore I'm actually fast asleep still. <laughs> anyway, I remember getting this Bible, and, and, and it just lay there on my bookshelf in my room. Oh, the maths book and the history books and all those books were always open, always not covered with dust. I was, I was an avid student. <laughs> What do you know? You don't know anything about my <laughs> Anyway, so, but my Bible collected dust. Every now and again, it'll have to be dusted off. You go, I never read it. And so the picture this morning that I'm trying to, to create is as we, as we walk close with this rabbi that Jesus was referred to, our feet ought to get dusty, not our Bibles. Because dusty feet would actually mean ordered lives. Dusty Bible would mean unorganized lives and chaotic lives and lives that perhaps that are not completely in place. And so as we consider that, I want to take you to these invitations that Jesus made as a rabbi and said, come follow me. And so he says that today still. 
I want you to follow me. I, I just went and counted. I love stats, all right? So bear with me. I, I went through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I just counted how many times the word follow and follower or followed come up. And in Matthew, you'll find that there are 25 times that you find the word follow. And, and in Mark, it's 21 times. This is a bit of maybe a little bit of useless information to you, but I'd like to still give it, all right? And Luke, 23 times, and in John, 18 times. The point is this, that throughout the Gospels, we find a, a regular reference to the word follow or follower. In other words, in the Hebrew language, it would have meant the Talmudim, or being that, is important to God. So forget about the numbers. Think about the principle that God calls on us to follow Him. But the following is not a, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, Instagram kind of stuff. You know, how many followers do you have? Oh, I've got 325. Oh, what does that mean? They just look at your pictures that you may post on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram. And that's a different kind of following that Jesus calls for. He says, I want your feet to become dusty. I want you to so so close to me. I want you to be so close to me that what I do, you see. Where I go, you go. What I say, you hear. What I do, you perceive. That's the kind of life that he calls us into. You got to understand when we talk about invitation. Because Christ gives us this invitation. And by the way, there are many others that he gives us as well. One of the other well-known ones that he says, come to me, all of you that are heavy laden and burdened. That's an invitation. He says, come to me and I will help you and I will be there for you. We run to all sorts of other places instead of the one that says, come and I will deal with it. But the one invitation that we're going to talk about this morning and, and probably be referring to quite a while for is, is this invitation to be with him. This invitation that he gives us. And I want to make this statement right from the front that an invitation to follow Jesus is clearly an invitation to become like Jesus and not just blindly walking and confessing that I'm a follower. You've got to consider this, please. An invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to become like Jesus. So when he says, come and follow me, he says, come and walk in my dust, that the dust would settle on you too, that whatever I do, wherever I go, you will see it, and that what you see, you will become. We can walk with people, and many of you do that, Often, during the day, you, you work with people five days a week, and you you've literally are around them so much. But you're not called to be like them and become like them. Jesus is different. He says that when you walk with me, this is how we will determine your walk with me. Is Are you becoming like me? And so if we say this morning, I'm a follower of Christ, those hands will go up, yeah. I've decided to follow him years ago, weeks ago, months ago. The real thing that we need to ask is, okay, should you be that? And I, 
would have to also be confronted with that reality is, am I becoming like the one that I'm following? The point is not just, are you following? It's a great start. But the question really is, is my life being formed into the image of the one that I'm following? Because that's the major issue here, is that we can't claim to follow Christ, to love Christ, to live for Christ, but not imitate Christ. It really is easy as, as we have these silly examples these days of, yeah, yeah, I'm a follower of so-and-so. That's great. Many others are, and, and people rave about how many followers they have, and that's not necessarily wrong. The point is we so easily bring that into a godly context, and we say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. The thing that we really need to consider is how much of Jesus is being formed in me as I follow him. Are my feet becoming dusty? We cannot claim to be his followers by merely following him, by saying, I'm doing church, I'm calling myself a Christian, I have a Bible at home, I'm trying to do the right stuff. But in essence, we're not becoming like him. And that's the tragedy of the world today, is that believers are saying we are followers, but the world is saying what you say you are and what your lives um, portray are often two different things. The most discouraging thing to the world around us today is when we are preaching a gospel but not living it. We say this is what we are, but the world says, but <laughs> what I read about in the Bible and what you guys are are just two different things. We just cannot seem to match it. And so we say we're followers, but how much of Christ is being formed in us? The essence of being a Talmudim is to become like his teacher. This one scripture, just listen to it, Luke 6 verse 40, and I'm going to read it to you. Jesus is saying, a disciple is not above his teacher. A Talmudim is not above, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his rabbi, will be like his teacher. And so the essence of a rabbi inviting us to walk with him is to say, ultimately, my greatest joy is found when you become like me. And so the rabbi would sacrificially give his life for that purpose. He needs to reproduce himself so that his Talmudim would become a rabbi and so on. And so on. And so this is what the world is needing. There's more people that would say, I'll be a Talmudim so that I can become like my king and like my teacher and so that others can see who he really is and become followers too. As simple as that. Following Christ clearly means becoming like Christ. So every invitation from him is not an invitation just to join him. It is a very clear invitation to become like him. And this is where I need to quickly just draw a, a difference between... Some people say that Jesus said, follow me as a command. But it seems to me many... It seems to me for me, it seems clearer that it was rather an invitation that they could respond to. Because that's the educational system 
that people found themselves in, that they were invited into this. They were never commanded. And so when Jesus said, follow me, it is an option that we have. But once we say yes to it, we've got to understand the cost involved. And I think that's where the problem comes, is that we just blindly say, yes, I'll follow. But when we consider becoming like him, we're like, no, 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 I don't know. That's too much for me. I, I like this following and doing what I want to do still. That scenario, that's cool for me. It's like I, I'll go onto Instagram when I want to and say, oh, I don't want to read that. I don't want to read that. And I don't want to, oh, let me unfollow that guy or whatever. It's like, oh, that's rubbish. No, Jesus says, when you say to me, yes, when you say yes to being a follower, you're saying yes to being conformed to become like me. So this morning, just a gentle reminder that if you had said yes to Jesus, you had said yes to imitate him, become like him. How are we doing? There's an invitation for that. So let me take you to just this wonderful, just two portions of scripture. I'm going to mainly focus on John. We've got a couple of minutes left to do John. But just one quick verse in, in Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, I'm just going to read it to you. You don't have to really stop much there. We're going to stop in John chapter 1, really. But, and Jesus does the following in Mark 3, just to give you an example of this whole thing of, of invitation. It says in verse 13, And he went up the mountain, and he called to him those whom he desired to be with him. And they came to him. So like there's a response. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him. And he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. And then you get the names of all the 12 there. So clearly, Jesus invited them to, first of all, be with him. The task was not the first objective. The person and time with a person was the first objective. And so our, our approach to following Jesus is firstly to be with him. Because you can only become like someone that you get to know. Correct? So Jesus is saying, come and be with me. Come and be with me. And then it says, so that he might send them out to preach. So he had a purpose in mind. That as they are with him and spend time with him, they could see who he is. So that they, they could go and do what he did. And so that's where we're heading. Ultimately, we want to talk about what it means to be with Jesus. So that we can become like Jesus. So that we can do what Jesus did. Let's turn to John. And this is where we want to just focus on for the duration of our time. And a beautiful story, I must say, one of the most incredible passages of Scripture. I often love just reading through John, even just chapter 1, and, and just see how John introduces us to this incredible man called Jesus Christ. And I want to just make some observations for us from this portion. So John chapter 1, we're going to read from verse 35. As we consider the context is this invitation, all right? You're all good? Already? Okay. John chapter 1. Yawning going on. That's fine. We can deal with that. It's not personal. All right. You're good. 
John chapter 1 and verse 35. It says, the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. Who's this John? Anyone? Quick one. John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is the forerunner to Jesus. He prepares the way for Jesus. We're not going to go into his history. But John is here standing with two of his disciples. Are we going to soon find out just who those two may be? All right? And so we read. And as he was standing with two of his disciples, and John, he looked at Jesus as he walked by. Jesus is coming by. And John said, Behold, the Lamb of God. So John notices Jesus and turns his attention and the attention of his disciples. Because he's not saying, oh, that's Jesus, to himself. He's with his disciples. And he says to them, behold. He actually says to them, take note that that's Jesus. That behold, the Lamb of God. So there's understanding of who Jesus is. Lamb meaning that there's someone who's prepared to lay down his life like a lamb was chosen in the Old Testament. Hence the analogy. Like he will be that person that will lay down his life and die on the cross, which we know he did. And John makes, um, makes a comment about it and lets his disciples take notice. And these two, we'll read later on. The one is Andrew, which is the brother of Peter, Simon Peter. Peter that we have come to know. Andrew... Turned out to be one of the disciples later on. It does seem from various commentaries that the other disciple was John, the, the author of the book called John. And so if we say that it's John and Andrew, so here these two guys are. They were first disciples of, of John the Baptist. And yet Jesus passes by and John the Baptist says to him, Hey, behold, the Lamb of God. Upon hearing this, in verse 37, they, they leave John, just like that, and they start following Jesus. It's like John says to them, take note, and they do, to the extent that they say, bye-bye, John. Hello, Jesus. Imagine John in that moment. It's like these guys have been walking with me. I should have just kept quiet. It's like... Oh, it's Jesus. Sorry? No, it's Jesus. No, no, John goes, Behold, the Lamb of God. And they hear it, and they also heed to it. They don't just hear that it's Jesus. They decide they want to follow. They want to inquire more about Jesus. And so what they do then, it says in verse 37, the disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. I don't just ask a quick question. Is that, does your perception of Jesus cause others to follow him? And does your perception of Jesus and does your understanding of him lead others to possibly follow him? It did for John the Baptist. He was convinced of who Jesus was. And as he said who Jesus is, his own disciples chose to follow him. I think that's incredible maturity. To get to a place where I, I don't care if they leave me, if only they could follow him. How's that? The point is that 
what we think about Jesus and what we believe about Jesus should have such an influence on others that they could potentially follow him too. We've got to talk about that. I'm not saying bring people to the church meeting and try to let them follow Christ through that. It's as you follow Jesus, as your Talmudim lifestyle is so close to your rabbi that your feet get dusty, that others would see the dust on your feet and say, what is it about you? That they would be interested in him too. And so we find that John, as people see that the reality of Jesus is clear to them, he's prepared to let them go. Just a side note here, nothing about the invitation, but just the willingness to step back and be second and not be first anymore. John, and we read it later in, um, in John chapter 3 verse 30, where John says this, he says, he must increase and I must decrease. So here we see a clear example of that which he said later on taking place. Where John said, you know what, I'll be happy to be second. I don't mind being second. The world that we're living in only celebrates those that are first. But in the Bible we see a celebration for those that choose to decrease and to become less. And as a Talmudim of the rabbi called Jesus, you've got to understand that one of the things that we need to consider to become more like him is to become second. It's to let him increase in our lives and us decrease. That's a challenge. Follower, imitate him. And so we carry on. So Jesus now, in verse 38, turns and, and saw them following him and said to them, what are you seeking? <laughs> what a question that, that, that Jesus would offer us. Imagine that. If, if, if you are given this opportunity to respond to a question from Jesus to you, say, hey, my son, my daughter, what are you seeking? Like, God, 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 how much time do I have to answer you on that? I've got to just consider all the things that I'm seeking. Uh-huh. So I think of these people that, that sometimes they have these, um, these, these competitions in a, in a shopping center or in a supermarket where they give you a minute to run through with a trolley and get as much as you want, and, and it's for free. And you can just see the girl, oh, girl, which aisle do I start with? No, 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 not that one, not the food. I want to go to that one because it's more, and like, you don't know where to start. Hey? And imagine, kind of like the same picture of Jesus saying, what are you seeking? That'll be an amazing answer to consider, isn't it? But here we find the two, and if they are John and Andrew, they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? <laughs> and it's not because Jesus had a spectacular place to stay. By the way, he said, foxes have holes and, and people have places to stay, but the Son of Man have no place to lay down his head. He didn't have this amazing mansion. So they weren't about, oh, Jesus, he must have this incredible place that we can go and visit. It seems like 
they were more interested in just being with Jesus than seeing what Jesus had to offer in terms of a physical place. Disciples here answer not what they seek, what they seek, but who they seek. They said, who are you? I want to be with you. This invitation is, is to be with him. It's not to see necessarily what he has to offer. The invitation is not to come and get what you possibly may need because we do have a lot of needs. The invitation is firstly to be with him. And if that is not enough, then nothing else will be enough. Because being with him is the greatest thrall there could be. Jesus came to not only save us of our sins and bring salvation. Jesus came so that there would be relationship between us and him and the Father and Holy Spirit. To be, to be. We live in a world of doing. Jesus invites us into a world of being. Verse 39 carries on. It says, he said to them, come. Come and you will see. And, and again, when you read into commentaries and what people write about that portion, we we do not see that there's any indication that he went with them to this incredible house. We see that more is written about them being together than where they were. And we put a lot of emphasis on location. Jesus puts a lot of emphasis on intimacy that no location can determine. He says, my moment with you is more important than my place and the location that I have with you. That's why we say heaven is not a location that we go to. Heaven is a person that we will go to. Hence, church is not a location. Church is a people that you are with and that you enjoy. And so here we see Jesus inviting them to not a spectacular place, but a life with them. And so they found, and I would dare to say that they did find meaning, not in a location, but from that day on, John and Andrew found what they were really looking for. And it wasn't a place, but it was a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. I want to say to you this morning that, yes, we are going through a very tough time as a nation. I had a privilege this week of spending time with a number of pastors from across the country, friends that we sit with for days and we just engage and we talk and we pray together and we even cry together. And um, many of you, again, blessed them with food that you gave. Thank you so much for being so generous. But these pastors just told me their stories, these friends of mine, and told me what life is like. And uh, we just 
enjoy time being together. And we realized that ultimately, we didn't go away with a 10-point plan of how we're going to overcome all these things. We left with this, the song in our heart that God of mercy, He sings over us. God of mercy has given us His Son, Jesus Christ. That's where our hope is. And we've got to keep on helping one another with that. And more and more we are with Jesus, we become like Jesus, we have someone to hold on to. We do not have a place that we can go to and run and say, oh, if only I can get there once in my life, that will make a difference for me. We have a person that we can go to any time of the day. And our salvation is found in that as a people, is Him. And so that's the invitation to come and be. We read further. Just listen to this amazing thing. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Listen to what Andrew does. It says, he first found his own brother Simon, or Peter, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought Peter to Jesus. And Jesus looked at Peter and said to him, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So how's this? The man Peter that we so know, we know so much about, was first introduced to Jesus by his brother. Very unknown figure, Andrew. You'll find him in the list of disciples. But did you know that because of Andrew's experience with Jesus, it enabled Peter to be exposed to who Jesus is? And so start a journey with Jesus that resulted in so much of what the early church could come to be. Andrew invited. And so what Andrew experienced, Peter could benefit from. Again, your and my experience with Jesus should be a benefit to others so that they could be invited into a same and or a similar walk. And then the next day, Jesus goes to Galilee in verse 30, 43. And here Jesus finds Philip. And he invites him. And says, Philip, follow me. Now, Philip was, was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom, Jesus, of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, paraphrasing, yeah, I've seen it, that there is much good that comes from Nazareth. Won't you come with me and see? Point is this. Does the invitation that you responded to in saying yes to Jesus and following him, has that resulted in you recognizing how incredible this God is? That you are able to say to others, come and see. Because the invitation that you responded to could become an invitation for others to come and see. And hence, our journey to be with Jesus enables us to see who Jesus is, to fall in love with Him over and over and over again. 
so that the conversation we have with people would be, come and see. Come and taste and see how good the Lord is. I close with this. By the way, Nathaniel seemed to have been, another name for him was Bartholomew, which also turned out to be one of the, the 12 disciples of Jesus, who also became part of this group, Talmudim following the rabbi to become like him because somebody else had invited him into it. We're on a journey with Jesus, not just to learn about him and to, more, to hear more about who he is. Our journey includes being with him so that we can become like him, so that out of becoming like him, we start doing what he does. So we want to invite you on a journey where we as elders, we say, God, help us to understand what it means to be with you. Help us to consider just normal rhythms in our lives that we need to address so that we can be with you even more. And that being with you will be productive. It won't just be, I'm a follower of Jesus. But it doesn't actually translate into making time, sitting quietly, considering Him, becoming contemplative in the way that we read the Bible. Shake the dust of our Bibles so the dust can settle on our feet as we follow our rabbi. And so that's the invitation that we receive from him. And in a sense, that's the invitation that we make to all of us. And so let's journey on this road.